Good morning. On this Labor Day weekend, are you resting? Do you feel rested? Well, we're going to talk about rest this morning from God's Word, and I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. We're going to get to those a little bit later. We have some other scriptures that we will be uh, looking at before we get to Ecclesiastes 5, but I thought in light of the Labor Day holiday, as Pastor Steve asked me to uh, fill the pulpit this morning as he's on his sabbatical, that I would talk to you regarding what God's Word has to say about the laborer's rest. Now, there are a lot of things that the Scriptures have to say about rest, and so we can't cover all of them, but we're going to focus on uh, some of them, and uh, particularly uh, the teaching that we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, as well as in um, the story of creation in Genesis, some other places in the Word of God as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you now for this opportunity to look into your living Word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit whom you've given to illumine our hearts and our minds as we read and study the scriptures in order that we may receive from them the words of life, the words of truth, the, life, the words of health and peace and salvation that you have provided for us in them. Lord, open our minds, open our hearts to receive your truth this morning. Anoint uh, these lips of clay, Lord, to speak words of eternal truth that will help each of us to grow in our knowledge of you and in our commitment to your kingdom and to serving Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll give you the glory and the praise through Christ Jesus. Amen. You and I are marvelous creations made in the image of Almighty God, our creation. Now, sometimes we might not feel like we are marvelous creations, but that is what the Word of God teaches us. We are marvelous creatures made in the image of Almighty God who created us. God fashioned our bodies from the elements of the earth, and He made us complex living organisms from a biological perspective, but he made us more than flesh and bones. We are more than just another of the species within the animal kingdom. Do you like the zoo? Do you like the aquarium? I love to go to the zoo. I love the aquarium. I love to see uh, all of these wonderful creatures that God, in his wisdom and in his power and love, has made. And I love to marvel over the things, the works of God's hands uh, in all of these living creatures but we, as part of God's creation, are yet apart from his creation in the sense that we are a step above the rest of the creation that we see around us. In fact, the Word of God tells us in Psalm 8, verse 5, that God created us as human beings just a little bit lower than the angels, than the heavenly beings, and that he crowned us as human beings with glory and honor. That's pretty special, isn't it? God has given us that spot, that, that level within creation that we're a little bit lower than the heavenly angels, than the heavenly beings, crowned with glory and honor, and we are above the animal kingdom, the animal world around us. The Bible teaches us that at the time of creation, God provided a creative work outlet for the first humans 
by giving them a garden as their home. Now, you remember the instructions to Adam and Eve. As they were placed in the garden, they were free to eat from any of the trees of the garden except for that one in the middle. That one they were to leave alone. But of all the rest, they could eat of the fruit that those trees produced. And, uh, you know, what they needed for life was right there for them. And you would think, okay, all they had to do then was put up a couple of hammocks between a couple of trees there in the garden and just lounge around. And when they felt hungry, go to one of the trees and get something, pick something to eat, and then go back to lounging again. But that's not what God intended for them, and that's not what God intends for us today either. He gave them the responsibility of tending the garden, of working the garden, of managing that place, uh, that beautiful place that he'd given them to live. And the fact that God intended for humans to work is evident throughout the scriptures. There's a great variety of work mentioned in the Bible. Some examples, shepherd, farmer, builder, scribe, teacher, soldier, carpenter, stonecutter, brickmaker, craftsman, weaver, tailor, baker, fisherman, pastor, worship leader. That's just some of the list. We could go on and continue to list more types of work that are mentioned in the scriptures. The Bible also teaches that God has regard for the well-being and prosperity of workers. Therefore, even in the time of creation, God established the Sabbath day as a day of rest. And Genesis uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, tell us about that. We're going to have that up on the screen. You can follow along with me as I read. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, tell us, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Let me ask you a question. Was it for God's sake that he rested? Was he worn out after all that work of creating that he did? No, (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, the, The scripture says that God doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. He's watching over us night and day. God was not exhausted from his work of creation, but he established that seventh day as a day of rest in order to establish a pattern for his creation and for us as his creatures, that we should work six days and then we should take a day to rest. And so he established that day of rest, that Sabbath, for our benefit. In fact, so important was this idea of rest that God included it in the Ten Commandments that he gave to the nation of Israel through Moses. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, we read, "'Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And, you know, uh, 
we can come up with all kinds of ways of getting around the, the commandments and the things that God has given to us in his word and make excuses and rationalizations, but God kind of covered it pretty clearly here and pretty extensively in this verse, didn't he? He said, not just you are to rest, but your servants are to rest as well. And not just you and your servants and your children are to rest, but even the aliens those from other nations that are living among you are to rest on this day. So it's not a matter, okay, well, I can't work today, so I'm going to have somebody else do these things for me. No, it is a day of rest. It is a day holy unto the Lord, a day set apart for our well-being by God, our loving creator, and one that we are, in fact, commanded to keep as something special in our, in our weekly schedule you know, during our life. Now, while we have a tendency, or at least have had a tendency, to devise a variety of rules focused on what constitutes a violation of keeping the Sabbath day holy, Jesus strongly stated that man was not made for the Sabbath, but that the Sabbath was made for mankind, for the benefit of mankind. So let's look at the teaching uh, on labor and rest that we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, if you're looking in your Bible a little bit after Proverbs, you're going to find uh, Ecclesiastes. Right after Proverbs, you'll find Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and uh, we're looking at verses 10 through uh, 12. Now, this is interesting. Uh, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. We hear about people in our society, we hear about people in our world that love money. They love money. And they're always trying to get more money because no matter how much they get, it's not enough. They're not yet satisfied because their focus is on money. That's what they're worshiping. That is the God of their life. But the Word of God says to us, don't make money your God. Don't make that the primary goal of your life, accumulating wealth, because you'll never have enough, no matter how much you accumulate. If that's where your heart is, then you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to have enough. And then he continues, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. How many stories have we heard <laughs> about people who have come into wealth, sudden wealth of some kind, whether it's an athlete that comes into a first professional contract and suddenly has millions of dollars uh, at, at his disposal or her disposal that, that they never had before, or whether it's someone winning a lottery or whatever the situation or a large inheritance that comes in, and all of a sudden they have all this money, and you would think that they'd be set for life. But guess what? With that money... With that wealth comes those who consume them. <laughs> and, and if you thought you had a lot of friends before, now you really have a lot of friends. Everybody remembers you, and everybody knows your name, and everybody's interested in your success, and everybody's interested in how that success might be uh, a blessing to them as well. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them. 
Are you a collector? <laughs> Some of us collect things. I, I confess I have a closet full of guitars in my house. It's true. And, uh, but I hope that I have at least restrained myself to some degree in uh, the level of expense that I put into those guitars and, and the number that I have. But you know what? There are some people that are just compulsive in their collecting, aren't there? And do you ever watch American Pickers? Anybody watch American Pickers? You watch that from time to time on television. Uh, those guys, their business is to go out and find people who have collected so much stuff that they don't know what to do with it. They, they may have multiple warehouses of the stuff on their property, and it just sits there in the warehouses. And from time to time, they might go in, and they might look at a piece here or there and enjoy it, but basically, it's just sitting there doing what? Rusting, <laughs> decaying, passing away with the elements of this earth. As goods increase, so do those who consume them, and what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? All right, I've got it. So what? So what? Does it really bring satisfaction to my life? Does it really complete me as a person to have this collection of stuff? What is this really doing for me in the long term? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Ever had a hard day's work? Hard day of work? And then, boy, it's time for bed. All right. <laughs> you know, and you feel really good that it's time for bed, and you can lay your head down on that pillow, and you can go to sleep. And, and the, the Word of God says the sleep of a laborer is sweet. Whether he has a lot to eat, or a little to eat, eat doesn't matter. He's worked hard, his body's ready for rest, he lays down to sleep, and he is able to sleep. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Why? Because he's worried about his money. He's worried about his investments. He's thinking about his business ventures. He's wondering how these things are going to be doing tomorrow. They were okay yesterday, but now I'm going to sleep, and what's going to happen with these things tomorrow, and all of these things, and what do I need to do tomorrow to keep these things moving forward and growing and in value, and all of these kinds of questions are swirling around in the rich man's mind, and so he doesn't have that sweet sleep that the laborer can enjoy. Let's talk about the path to the laborer's rest. What is our way to get to that place where we, as a laborer, can lay our head down on the pillow and we can just rest, let it all go, and just sleep and enjoy that time of rest that God has provided for us? Well, the path to the laborer's rest begins first with trusting that God loves us and is committed to providing for our needs as his children. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you and that he is committed to providing for your needs as his child? If God, our Heavenly Father, has required us to rest, it must be something that is important for us to do, right? God loves us. He knows what's best for us. He requires us to, be, uh, to rest. It must be something that is important for us. I don't know how you were as a child. I can remember that as a child, I didn't want to rest. And you know what came every afternoon? 
nap time. <laughs> now, I understand. I think my mother had our best interest in heart when she wanted us to lay down and take a nap in the afternoon. But you also have to understand, my mother raised seven children. So... <laughs> <laughs> so to lay the children down at the same time for a rest in the afternoon was a good opportunity for her to get a little rest or maybe to do some things that she needed to do without, you know, little ones running around and grabbing on her legs and, and that sort of thing. But I remember as a child when it was nap time, it just seemed like I couldn't shut my mind off. It just seemed like my mind wanted to go in all kinds of directions and think about all kinds of things, and I just could not go to sleep. But I would lie on that bed, you know, and try to be quiet and not move around and rest during that time because that was something that my mother uh, knew was important for me. And in the same way, God knows what's important and good for us, and so he requires us to rest. So trusting that God loves us and is committed to providing for our needs as his children helps us then to move toward that mindset of rest. Secondly, learning to practice the principle of contentment, of which the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, is an important step in the path to the laborer's rest. Learning to practice the principle of contentment of which the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. In other words, finding satisfaction in what we have instead of always hungering for something more. Finding satisfaction in what God has provided in my life now rather than always yearning for something more, something different, something else. The Apostle Paul says, I've, I've lived in both kinds of circumstances. I've lived with plenty as, as a rich person, and I've also learned to live as someone who had nothing. And, but I've learned the secret of being content in any situation because my focus is not on the things that I have, but my focus is on the Lord, and my rest is in Him. And I can be satisfied trusting that God has provided for me this day what I need, and He will do the same tomorrow. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? in the prayer, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And, and that's, that's where we find our peace. That's where we find our rest. That's where we find our satisfaction in just trusting that God is, provides for us today what we need, and we can be at peace in that. The third step in the path to the laborer's rest is learning to hold loosely the things that God has entrusted to our stewardship. Now, you do know that the things that you own, the things that you have, aren't yours. You do know that, don't you? They belong to the Lord God who created us and who gave them to you, who gave them to me. We are stewards. We are managers of these things that God has entrusted to our keeping. And so we, we invest them, we use them to further the work of his kingdom to bless the lives of people around us and not simply so that we could look at them and say, look at all of this stuff that I have, you know, and that, uh, and that maybe nobody else around me has. Learning to hold loosely the things that God has entrusted to our stewardship is an important step in the path to the laborer's rest. And that means that we are willing to let go of those things for the sake of God's kingdom. We are willing to let go of those things for the benefit of others who might need them. You say, well, I might need that thing later on. 
Well, you might, but somebody else needs it right now. Okay? So can you let go for that person that needs that right now instead of saying, well, I might need it sometime in the future? Can you trust that God who has provided for you today will also provide for you in the future? And that when you need that thing, that thing will be available to you in the providence of God, in the love and wisdom and care of God. So learning to hold loosely the things that God has entrusted to our stewardship enables us just to put our head back on that pillow and to rest and say, you know what, it doesn't really matter what happens with the stock market. It really doesn't matter what happens with the 401k or, you know, with my, my business or my employer or any of those things. God is in control. The things that I have have come from God. They belong to God, and they're to use to further his kingdom, to bless the lives of people around me. And so if, if they're here today and gone tomorrow, that's fine. The Lord knows, and the Lord will provide. The fourth step in uh, the path of the laborer's rest is finding joy and satisfaction in a job well done. Whatever the work is, that God has provided for us to do. How many of you have had some nasty jobs in your life? You ever had a nasty job? Yeah, yeah. My first four-pay job, my first four-pay job, I worked in my father's electronic shop from the time I was a, a little child, and that was not for pay, but I did get benefit from it, believe me. I got a lot of benefit from that. But uh, my first four-pay job was working at the city of San Leandro's water pollution control plant. Yeah, <laughs> some of you know what that is. <laughs> what is it? It's the sewage plant, okay? <laughs> it's where all the dirty water from all the houses in the city comes to be cleaned up so it can be recycled back into the faucets of all the houses in the city. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can imagine, you can imagine how it smells to work there. You can imagine some of the jobs that there might be associated with working at the water pollution control plant for a city. That was my first job for pay. And you know what? I learned some important things with that job. And I also earned $1.45 an hour for doing it. And I felt pretty good about that at the time. You know what? That's okay. You, we can do our jobs, whatever they are, to the best of our ability as working unto the Lord, and we can then have rest because we've done the job well. We've done the best that we could finding joy and satisfaction in a job well done. I've cleaned bathrooms and restrooms. I wouldn't say I particularly enjoy it, but you know what? If I can look back on my work and I can say, that looks nice, and the next person who comes in here is going to appreciate you know, what I've done, then I can say, all right, that's a job well done. I did the best I could, and I can find joy and satisfaction in that work even though I might not particularly enjoy the work itself. You understand what I mean? So we can, we can rest because we find joy and satisfaction in a job well done, whatever that work is that God has provided for us to do. 
And then finally, the fifth step in the path to the laborer's rest is regularly availing ourselves of the opportunities for rest that God has provided. That means we're making sure that we get adequate sleep. And the key word there is adequate. We're all different. Some of us need a certain number of hours a night. Others need less than that. The rest are kind of in the middle somewhere. And it also depends on how hard we're working during the day. Sometimes we're not as physically active, and so we might not need as much rest as someone else who's really putting a lot of physical exertion into the work that they're doing, into their, into their day. But whatever that number is for you, whatever that, yeah, and you know what it is, don't you? <laughs> you know the difference between being a person that other people want to be around <laughs> and being a person that people say, I don't want to be near that person today, you know, because we get a little crabby and we get a little possessive and we get a little selfish and all those kinds of things when we get tired. And uh, so, you know, you know what it is. You, you, you can tell. <laughs> how, how you're feeling, how you're treating people around you, how your attitude is. And if you're not getting enough sleep, or let's put turn it the other way around, if it's that you're feeling crabby all the time, maybe you're not allowing yourself enough rest and enough sleep. And maybe that's it. Maybe you don't need to be taking drugs <laughs> of some kind to fix it. Maybe you just need to be sleeping more. So find out what works for you. Find out what the amount is that you need to, uh, to, you know, to function properly in life and, and, and to function in a positive way in life. And then make sure you're getting that. Now, obviously, there are going to be exceptions to the rule. There are going to be those times something comes up and you have to get up in the middle of the night and go somewhere and help somebody in your family or help a neighbor or, or there's an emergency, uh, some other kind of emergency in the community that needs to be addressed and, and you need to be there to help with that. And that's all fine. You're not going to get your full you know, six or eight or 10 or 12 hours of sleep that night. And that's, that's just the way it's going to be. And that'll happen from time to time. Uh, any any uh, parents of babies, <laughs> infants in the house, you, you know about the difficulty of, of getting enough sleep, enough good quality sleep. Okay, so that happens from time to time. But on a regular basis, are you allowing yourself the amount of rest and sleep that you need, or are you depriving yourself of the proper amount? Because God wants you to regularly avail yourself of the opportunities for rest that he has provided making sure that we get adequate sleep, observing the Sabbath day as a day of rest from our work. You have to work on Sundays from time to time, some of you? Maybe so. You know, our employers don't really understand this concept of the Sabbath, and there are some jobs really um, in the medical field, in law enforcement, uh, in the military, um, in other places where, you know, you need to be able to, you, you need to be available to your employer even on that seventh day of the week. Um, and we, we observe Sunday as Christians. We observe that as our day of Sabbath, our day of rest. And so we know that there are exceptions to that rule. But if that's the case, if you are scheduled to work on a Sunday, are you setting another day aside during the week to rest in order that you will be able to follow the principles that God has given to us in his word? Are you making sure that you accept Jesus' gracious invitation to rest for your own weariness and burdens? As Jesus gave this 
gracious invitation to us in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Let's look at that. Yeah, I'm switching around on you here. Let's go to the Matthew 11 slide. Can we do that? Thank you. Jesus extends this invitation to all. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come, walk with me, and I will teach you how to rest. And I'm not talking about sleeping here, am I? I'm talking about resting our minds, resting our spirits, resting our hearts, trusting in the Lord, and being at peace with him and at peace with our life, that God is in control, that he is, he is uh, providentially ruling over everything that is going on in my life, and I can be at peace in him and rest in him. No matter how crazy things may be going around me, I can be at rest because Jesus has said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So important is this concept of rest for us as human beings that God uses it as an analogy for our time with him in heaven. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 10 declare, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. And so heaven is a place of rest. I'm not sure what heaven's going to be like exactly. I know it's going to be wonderful. I know we're going to be in the presence of our God and creator and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I know we're going to be worshiping and praising and giving thanks to God for who he is and all that he's done for us. But somehow, I just don't think we're going to be lounging around on clouds, plunking on harps all day. That just doesn't really appeal to me that much, and it probably doesn't appeal to you that much either. I think there's going to be a lot more to it than that. And I think it's going to be wonderful but it's going to be a rest from the weariness of this world. It's going to be a rest from the cares of this world. It's going to be a rest from the concerns of this world. These things will no longer be weighing upon our hearts. They will all be behind us, and we will be enjoying this Sabbath rest for eternity with God our Father in heaven. Let's turn in our hymnals to number 490. Uh, Brother Jamie's going to come and lead us in a couple of verses for this, from this song. I, this song might be unfamiliar to some of you. Um, I hope that you'll focus on the words. If you don't know it, just read the words and focus on the words and uh, uh, let that, uh, the Spirit of God, you know, impress upon your own heart God's call to rest God's call to rest from your labors and to enjoy this wonderful blessing that he has provided for us as his creatures. Let's stand together.